Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today is Tuesday the 19th. It is 1130. Uh, I feel great. Today we're going to talk about, this is one of those random episodes where I'm going to talk about a lot of things, obviously, in regards to mental health and suicide prevention, uh, but we're going to discuss it from a number of topics. We're going to cover uh, psilocybin. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some things that happened with me in the hotel in Vegas. Oh, yeah. And then we're also going to talk about some insights that I had into why I cried uh, when I gave uh, a person without a home some money. So we're going to get into all that. Um, I want to start off, I want to talk about psilocybin. If you don't know what psilocybin is, it's a, it's a psychedelic, and it's in the news a lot. And, and in um, today's New York Times, they were talking about uh, using psilocybin for depression. And I am I'm not one, I don't care what the research says ever. Um, I at, at least at this time, I'm not interested in using it. However, I am aware that more and more people are using it. I have friends who've used it. And so it, I feel like it's part of my responsibility to share anything that I've learned on it for those of you who might be considering using psilocybin uh, for depressive symptoms or if you have and, um, and maybe you're experiencing some things and uh, this might highlight what you are going through. So psilocybin is a, a psychedelic. And just briefly, I want to say that the thing I love about reading the New York Times online is that they have a comment section. So oftentimes you'll get these articles about a topic and it, it can feel very one-sided. But when you go into the comment section, that's when you get really the breadth of knowledge. And, and that's where you get the community. And that's, you know, kind of my way of finding a community. So in the comment section, you know, the, the, the article was uh, seemed to be pro-psilocybin. And when I get to the comment section, I just want to read to you two different comments. And then, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So this guy, Bill, said that uh, he's 72 and he took psychedelic mushrooms uh, in 1973. Uh, and it was a time where, you know, he just got back from the Vietnam War, had spent nine months in a VA psych ward. He fell into a deep depression and he tried to end his life. Uh, and so he was on medication for a while, but it only made him feel lethargic and flat. He stopped his meds at one point and smoked some marijuana, which he says helped him a lot. But the mushroom trip was truly fantastic, according to him. As others here are saying, it opened my mind. And I saw things in technicolor and had thoughts and feelings like never before. The experience didn't turn me on a dime, but it definitely was extremely helpful because the first hand experience of knowing that there is so much more than I normally feel and experience, <coughs> excuse me, was knowledge that has never left me and that in itself gave me hope. And I want to highlight that because there's two things that stand out to me. One is he did psychedelics because he, he was curious about it. 
and that it didn't, he, he didn't become addicted to it. It didn't turn him on a dime, as he said. But the second part uh, I find really fascinating is that he found it extremely helpful because, because it helped him experience more than he normally feels, and it gave him knowledge that there is so much more out there. He, he, it opened his mind to so many more things. And, and I think that's powerful because a lot of times when we are feeling depressed, when, when we are feeling in the low of lows, we think that this is a permanent state. And, you know, in previous episodes, I always talk about the three Ps, right? Uh, nothing is permanent, pervasive, or personal, right? So nothing is personal in that it's not about you, and nothing is permanent means it's not going to happen forever, and nothing is pervasive. It doesn't take place all the time. And so he's sharing that right here, that it, what the psychedelics allowed him to do was realize that his feelings and experiences weren't permanent, pervasive, or personal. So I, I highlight that to say we don't have to use psychedelics to experience that. We, we, we know that already. And there's so many different ways for us to tap into uh, a trippy experience. You know, when, you take a, when I take a cold shower, an ice cold shower in the morning, wow. Um, the amount of endorphins, serotonin, all those chemicals that flood my body. Now, with that said, if I do the cold shower every day, it doesn't, it doesn't go down, not at all. There are diminishing effects. So I don't take a cold shower every day. But I do take it when I feel like I'm, I'm hitting my low of lows, right? Um, also, fasting can create that kind of psychedelic effect. Meditation, you know, Sometimes I'll, I'll meditate. There was a week where I meditated for an hour almost every day. And that can produce some, you know, trippy effects. So there's some very natural, and not to say psychedelics aren't natural. I know it's plant-based. Um, but there are other ways that we can realize that we can feel more than what we're feeling. And notice that that's what he said. Notice he didn't say it made him necessarily feel better. It just let him know that there are other feelings he could feel. So that goes to just doing things that can change our state. And it, and it doesn't have to be psychedelics per se. And the only reason why I, um, you know, I wouldn't use it because uh, if you're like me, like I'm taking asthma medications, and a lot of people are on so many different meds that there's not enough information about psychedelics and how it would interact with one's medication. So, but I want to read you the second comment uh, coming out of the New York Times. It says, and I, and I love how he starts this. This is from a guy named or a person named GN. That's all they that's all they put in there. And he said, quote, it is impossible to experience curiosity and depression at the same time. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop right there. That's beautiful. It's I wanna I wanna say that again. It's impossible to experience curiosity and depression at the same time. All right, all right, let's go back into it because he, he's gonna go deeper into this. 
I made this discovery during a major depressive episode with suicidal ideation, a multi-year episode. I finally sat down and asked myself, just what is this? And I sought to explore all the sensations of negativity and repetitive thoughts to see what they were and where they came from. The more intensely I sought to find out what it was, the more rapidly the thoughts dissipated. Merely seeking to know directs the mind in a new direction. I have down days, but I really haven't had depression since. I pursue my curiosity. It doesn't matter what it is. What birds are in the neighborhood? How to build something out of wood? The nature of the stars in the sky. Curiosity dissolves depression. It is not surprising to me that psychedelics would work. Uh, I've done them back in the day. A sense of wonder, openness to beauty. These things are the antithesis of the closed, fear and anger-filled world of the depressed mind. I absolutely love that. Curiosity dissolves depression. And I, I, you know, I also want to caveat that with saying, is it the only thing that one needs? Oh, we just got to be curious. No, Leo Flowers is not saying that. What I'm saying is we can add that to our already uh, uh, bag of skills and coping techniques, right? Because, you know, as I've shared, I have a therapist. I have a, a men's group. I have a sugar and carbs group that I go to. I have a relationship therapist. Um, I have a life coach. Um, you know, I, I went swimming this morning. I, I got in some sunshine. I meditated. I, um, I did some journaling or, you know, actually I did more note taking, but journaling and, you know, the, the self-talk. So curiosity dissolves depression, but we may find, and, and also, you know, I ate a keto breakfast. So all these things, I got a great night's sleep. All these things, you know, work together to help us through our depressive episodes. There's no one cure-all, but this is something when maybe we don't have access to some other things, we go, oh, let's lean into our curiosity. Let's answer some questions. This morning, um, I was, you know, as I was reading the New York Times, um, they had an article about auctioneers. And then I realized I know nothing about auction. Like, they're so gifted. You know, those people who are like, uh, going once, going twice, uh, sold. Uh, and, you know, but they, they go, we, we got a beautiful porcelain set here. It's from China, three years old. and Like, uh, three years old. <laughs> it's worth nothing, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a million years old and, and, and handcrafted by the Ming Dynasty. And they speak, they speak so fast. And I realized, like, there must be some training involved in becoming an auctioneer and, and skills and, like, what does that entail? So, I, I, you know, I wrote that down and circled it to, to be like, oh, I want to come back and look at that later on and see um, and learn more about that. And then I learned uh, yesterday that camels have, you know, those the, the humps on their back? This whole time, I thought that the humps were filled with water. They're not. They are not. I know. That's what I, that's what I thought. They're actually filled with fat. Exactly, fat. That's what they're storing back there for energy. 
we've been duped this whole time. I, I feel like the fact that I have a master's degree and I went to a Catholic school, uh, I should know that camels have fat in their humps and not water. I need my money back is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but going back to the psilocybin, that is, I just want to share that with you because I want to let you know that at the end of the day, what both those commenters uh, have shared is that they've tried it once um, or maybe a couple times, but nothing that was a lifelong thing. And it was just for the reminder that there is a beauty and wonder about life and earth and and that there are so many more feelings that they do have, that they do. Because remember, when we take a drug, whether you're, you're taking a, a painkiller or, you know, people, t- cocaine or, or even, you know, eating something with sugar, all it's doing is releasing the chemicals that already exist in your body. It's not putting in the feel-good drugs. It's not putting in the numbing drugs. It's unlocking what our bodies already possess. We're going to take a sip of tea right now. And so the beauty is, yes, psychedelics have a place. Um, and if that works for you, wonderful. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. Uh, I, I do want to say that it, nothing is the cure-all or the one-size-fits-all um, you know, Will Smith has in his book, if you haven't read it, and I've shared this, you know, he's done ayahuasca about 14 or 15 times and clearly still has work to do. Clearly, obviously, as do I, you know, I, um, and, and, and here's what I love about this idea of expanding our mind to other experiences and, um, and zooming out a little bit. I was I was in Vegas this past week and I got locked out of my room. I, well, I locked my I left my keys in my room. So I called security and I've done this before. And they're usually there within minutes. And on this particular night, it took them about 20 minutes to get up to my room. And so I was I was a little frustrated, a little annoyed, I was a little upset. And I was like, I, I've been you know, when a guy got there, I was like, I've been waiting for 20 minutes. And I, and as I was saying it, I knew that I should not have had this attitude, that it was just based on my previous uh, experiences and my expectation of how fast. And then the guy goes, well, we, we had a lady collapse on the floor, and then we had another medical issue, and then uh, there was an uh, incident where we had to escort a young gentleman out. So my apologies if we took a little long to get to you and uh, being locked out the room. And, <laughs> and immediately I felt so bad. But it's a reminder that, you know, for anybody who is harboring uh, some type of resentment or anger or bitterness towards someone or, or something else, um, we don't know what they're going through. Even though we think we absolutely know what they're going through or what they're experiencing or, 
or why they were late or why they didn't call us back or why they're not showing up. They're, people's lives are so rich and so layered and complex that uh, we couldn't possibly understand it all. And, and so if I just had that space for compassion and understanding and patience, um, I, I could have let it go without him even having to explain it to me. You know, a lot of times I think, and I have friends who, you know, they go through a breakup or they get ghosted and they want closure. They want to know why the person didn't show up. And we have to give ourselves that answer. We can't wait for the other person to give us closure. We have to suture the wounds ourselves. It's like I get a little paper cut. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take care of that myself. If I wait around for somebody else, the is gonna get infected. And I know that we can't do all the surgeries on ourselves. Yes, there are times where we have to go to a doctor, but we can't go to the person who cut us. Um, and expecting them to to heal us. We go to a doctor, and that's why it's so important to go to a therapist or go, go you know, or use a coach or uh, join a group, but, to, you know, to get help if you feel like you need it, if, if you feel like the, the wounds, the hurt, the resentments are too much for you to handle, uh, to seek help, seek guidance, get outside of yourself. Um, maybe even a little psychedelics, but like I said, I've never used it, so I'm not for or against, but I thought that was a beautiful thing. Another beautiful thing I read in the New York times, because, you know, this podcast is about connecting us to people and purpose, connecting us to people and purpose. Right. And there was this lady, you know, I don't know if you know, like the Boston marathon, was this weekend, and this lady who turned 65 this year, 65, Mariko Yugeta, 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 she's Japanese, I'm butchering that last name, Yugata. Um, um, she is the oldest woman, um, or not the oldest, but she ran the Boston Marathon in under three hours under three hours, which is insane. She ran it in under three hours over the age of 60, which I'm like, wait, what? Over the age of, she still got knees to do that? The fact that she got knees to still run 26 point, was it five, 26.4, 26 point, whatever, whatever the, the point is, 26 point something over the age of 60, she, I want to know what she's taken. I want to know exactly what, and, and, and apparently according to the article, like the pre-race, she eats whatever the hotel has. She's not even particular. So, you know, all this, all these new, you know, program and nutritional guidelines that, uh, you know, people are paying for and, and, and get out of magazines. This lady is just like, I just eat whatever the hotel has. I'll be fine. And uh, on Monday, she was fine. She did the Boston Marathon on Monday at three hours and six minutes, which is beautiful. And, and I bring up 
uh, Mariko Yugata to say that her mindset, look at her mindset. She goes, they asked her, like, are you going to run a race next year? She goes, it's not a race. It's a celebration. What? What? It's not a race, but a celebration? This is... This is this goes back to this idea of why uh, of that quote of compare and despair. Beautiful, beautiful. It's not a race; it's a celebration. That's when, when we get to a place where we're living life from that place, where we're not competing against other people. We're, we're just everything is in celebration of life. We're cooking to celebrate life. We, the work that we do is in, in celebration of life. It's all celebratory. And it's not, it's not you know, rooted in, uh, it's not compensatory or competitive. That's a beautiful place. And, and this is why at her age, she's still going. And, and I mean, you know, minus genetics, of course. But, I, you know, I think that that's a, a beautiful thing. You know, mindset. You know, when I was in Vegas, I was in Vegas for a week doing some shows at the Comedy Cellar. And I remember waking up like, what am I going to do today? And then I remember Albert Camus' um, quote, uh, should I kill myself or get coffee? And I got to be honest, that it goes back to, you know, the, the one guy talking about leaning into your curiosity. I was like, I, I think I'm going to get coffee. It just <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more reasonable. Now, those of you who've been listening to me know that I don't drink coffee. I'm a tea drinker. I'm drinking some Mumaki tea, Mumaki, Mumaki tea from Hawaii that um, good friend Sarah sent to me. Thank you. Shout out Sarah for sending me tea. Um, herbal tea. I only mess with the herbal tea. Caffeine just makes me uh, too anxious and jittery and it kicks in my carb cravings and what I will say, every now and again, I'll have some green tea, and, and that's when I know, like, I'm going through a, um, uh, a kind of a more of a manic phase, which I am right now. I'm going through more of a manic phase where I'm sleeping five, like, no matter what time I go to bed, five hours. I'm up five hours later. If I go to bed at three, I'm up at eight. If I go to bed at midnight, I'm up at five, like, five hours. That's when I know I'm manic, and then when I'm in my more depressive phases, I can sleep like more of the eight seven to eight hours uh through which is probably why i'll be podcasting more guys i you know i i just i go with the flow of my of my emotions but going back to should i kill myself or get coffee um it it propelled me out of bed in the morning like i was just excited to embrace the day i was like let's go get some tea you know i would get the tea i get the newspaper just kind of eased into my day versus thinking about the overwhelm of uh, the things that I felt like I had to do of all my obligations. And then when I just broke it down, I like kill myself or get, get coffee. It was just like, Oh, okay. I could, I could, I could, I could digest that. That, that seems like a, a nice place to start. So, you know, recently I've been practicing waking up, uh, you know, brushing my teeth and taking a shower, even if I'm going to work out. Just get up, take a shower, drink water, and then, um, you know, 
go and then get outside, go for a walk, get that sunlight in my face as soon as possible. And I think part of that is because it's spring. And, you know, there's, if you listen to the episode with the astrologer, he talked about how, you know, we just tend to have a bit more energy in the spring. So I am riding that wave of energy instead of trying to fight it and trying to figure it out. I'm just like, okay, I, I'm working on five hours of sleep. But I am also very mindful of making sure that I take a nap because uh, I know that no, regardless of whether I get nine hours or five hours, Leo Flowers needs a nap. That's just uh, a way for me to kind of downregulate my system and bring myself back into neutrality. All right, I got to go get a hair uh, haircut. I got to go to the barbershop, get my beard trimmed. I have a um, show tonight with Hassan Minhaj, who if you haven't seen his special, he has a show on Netflix called The Patriot Act. Check that out. Um, it's been canceled, but it's like three seasons. But most importantly, go check out his comedy special called Homecoming King. Homecoming King. It's on Netflix. It's really funny. Watch it from beginning to end. It's a beautiful, magical story. And this new hour that he's doing is going to be also beautiful and magical. So I'm excited. Tonight will be the, the largest audience to get the play in front of, 4,000 people um, at the San Diego Civic Theater. And then also tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. For you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or any of the other numbers that are listed in the show notes, whether you're in Budapest, Sri Lanka, the Ukraine, uh, Idaho, Toronto. Shout out to Toronto. I had a lot of people at my shows this weekend from Toronto, Canada. Uh, wherever you are in the world, Hawaii. There are international phone numbers for you in the show notes. You can talk, you can chat, you can text. And if you need financial resources and help, there are resources for that in the show notes as well. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.